Blog Talk Radio. In order to be free, you have to know the truth. Pastor Lionel Gant seeks to use the truth of God's word to help stop the tide of violence and mass incarceration used to enslave people all across this nation. Now, the word of truth by Pastor Lionel Gant. I am looking for freedom, looking for freedom, and Glory to God, glory to God. This is the whole truth and nothing but the truth radio broadcast. Pastor Lionel Gant coming to you live from Atlanta, Georgia. And once again, Church of a Living God, we coming to you with nothing but the whole truth. Hey, you know, we've been talking about our prison system. We've been talking about the COVID virus in the prison system. We've been talking about uh, the injustices that have been going on with a lot of these cases in the prison system. And uh, today we have Brother Charles Brown on the on the on the line with us, uh, and he's going to go into his case, and he's going to tell us a little bit about what's going on in our justice system, in our so-called justice system. But in most cases, is you know, it's not justice; it's just us. You know, it, it's not justice; it's just us. You know, that have to go through the things that we go through in the justice system. All right, my brother, so uh, I want you to come in, introduce yourself, uh, go from, start from the top, tell us about your case, exactly what happened uh, that led to your case, and then go into your incarceration and what happened in your incarceration. Uh, Mr. Gant, thank you for giving me the opportunity to come forward. Um, my name is uh, Charles Brown. I am from Cordell, Georgia. Um, May 11 of 2014, I was I was in Cordell, Georgia on Mother's Day, and inside of a state park. And inside of this state park, there was a illegal roadblock. And that roadblock, like I say, it was illegal still by state troopers and sheriff department down in their local town. Uh, they ended up putting the car over and find contraband on the inside. Uh, through from 14 all the way to 2015, I ended up taking a plea, and 30 days later, I, with, I withdrew the plea. But not knowing through all these trials and tribulations that the substance that they find inside of the car is not illegal in Georgia. So through from 14 all the way up to 15 and 16, to the point of withdrawing the plea, I never knew that the substance wasn't illegal until like four years later on appeal. Somehow I ended up with a lady named Veronica O'Grady. Uh, she the one discovering that every nine lawyers that I had have been ineffective. That's the first step that you do, check the indictment. Uh, but no one did a thorough investigation into the indictment that led me to an appeal. So when I get to the appeal process, she broke it down and gave me case law that this stuff is not illegal in Georgia, so you don't, there's no reason for you to be placed in incarceration. So at that time, I was in Bottles State Prison. And she filed it. 
what was the chemical? What was the chemical? I mean, my audience, they don't know what you're talking about. What was the chemical? Well, the substance that they find inside of the, the uh, vehicle was called alpha PVP. The terminology of the word is long. I can't pronounce it, but the short term is alpha PVP. Alpha PVP substance is not illegal in Georgia. They have not made no law for it yet. So the question my family has been asking since on appeal, what was the reason why you placed me in prison? I haven't committed a crime. So, but Georgia haven't made a law for that. So we appealed it to the Court of Appeal. Uh, they allowed new evidence into the brief. And other words, they said that until Mr. Brown filed a habeas, I'm not going to listen to neither one of y'all. So I'm going to send it back down. And they denied it. Of course, we went to the judge, uh, Supreme, with a question, was my plea knowing intelligent and voluntary made? They, too, refused to look at it and just said denied with no fact, conclusion on the law, none of that, just denied. So I threw, I threw that information up on my uh, focus on parole. That, too, was a hassle. But in the midst of that, I ended up making parole on good behavior uh, March of 2018, March 14. 2018. Since I've been home from that point, I ended up getting an attorney, uh, which is Mr. Stephen Reba. So we ended up filing a habeas petition. And wow, <laughs> that county there, man, they, they, they seem as though they above the law. So we ended up filing a petition along with an open record request demanding the record from the DA's office, not the clerk's office, but the DA office. That was in 18. It is 2020. He still have not given the record, discovery, some of it, none of it, none of it. <laughs> so that's three years asking and begging for the record. So I have a court date placed October the 5th of this year. So back it up just a little bit, Mr. Gant. Okay. That open record request, I mean, Mayor Reed wasn't exempt from it, nor his staff. So question is, why Brad Reed, out of court in Georgia, the district attorney, feel as though, you know, he's above the law that he could keep the records there it just continues to keep my life on hold. Now, I am on parole with this illegal sentence. And since I've been home on parole, my life has already been attempted to be taken. Okay, so now the first nine months of being home, uh, parole people will place me in a, a drug class, which they do everywhere. Mm-hmm. But the trick that DeKalb County is doing is, is that they don't they get away with that. I don't have the training you know, pat you on the hand, et cetera. But ain't no more excuses for that. So now when inmates come home from prison, they sign a contract. And on that contract, that's what you agree to do. And once you breach it, then you go to jail, right, or pay a fine. But mm-hmm. in this case here, there's a special condition attached on to the contract, meaning that you have to uh, get mental health service. If not in compliance, you go back to prison. So I mm-hmm. signed the contract. Signed the contract and came home 
and not knowing that the medication that they was giving me for mental health issues, PTSD, uh, schizophrenic, paranoia, you know, uh, nightmares of seeing inmates getting killed behind that wall, living behind that wall on a daily, daily basis with no help and no understanding of what's really going on, not knowing you in there. Okay, bro, hold, hold on just a second. I'm going to bring somebody else in. Hold on just a second. Miss Leticia, we have uh, Charles Brown. We have Charles Brown on the on the radio broadcast, and uh, you're calling in. He's talking about what he went through in prison, and uh, we'd like to welcome you in on the show. Uh, could you introduce yourself, please? Well, we got we got a lot of distortion. We got a lot of distortion. Can you take your phone off uh, off speaker? Hello? 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 Okay, we can hear you now. Hi, my name is Lakeisha Nightmare. I'm Cantrell Edge, Brooklyn. Okay, uh, well, can you introduce yourself and talk, tell, about, uh, tell about your brother, tell about what the situation is with him? My brother Cantrell Edge passed away on August the 7th, 2020, of COVID-19. He was sick at Dark State Prison for like two weeks where he went to seek medical help, which he didn't get it. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Okay. Take your time now. Okay. Okay. All right. We we're gonna we're gonna come back to you, uh, Brother Charles. Uh, yes. You were you were talking about your case, and you're talking about where your case is now. You're going to go back into court on uh, October the fifth. What do you what do you what do you plan on achieving by uh, out of that court hearing? On that court hearing, um, I'm in participating. Mr. Patricia, I want to say my condolences out to you as well as your family. COVID-19 is a, it's a, it's a big thing behind that wall, man, and, and they feel as though lives don't matter. But my condolences goes out to you and your family. Amen. But yes, Mr. Gass, that court hearing is should be established to the fact of demanding Brad Reesby, um to turn those records over. A motion to compel, multi, mo, motion to compel, have been filed multiple times. So, but he's still in non-compliance here, so he can't be touched. But the thing is, you cannot have a real heavy hearing in the state of Georgia without all the records. That's why you file an open record so you can get everything that inside of his office, not the clerk. So three years we've been begging now. He's uh, in, in the process now to go to court on October 5th. So I don't expect no different than already without the mass of people standing with me demanding the same thing so we can move forward to correct this injustice that's been handed down by that circuit court deal, George, the Fitzgerald, Dewey County, as well as Wilcox County. 
you know, so the information that I place on my social media site, which you can find up on the Facebook and also Instagram, is Charles Brown. You just type in Cordial Jordan, you'll see most of the groundwork that has already been played. But I am on the radio station to share my case, to share my story, and also ask for help and support to stand with me and my family October the 5th in Cordial Georgia. Because if not together as one of the collective, moving the same way with the same energy, I trust you that if we do this, there can be a different outcome. But this is a problem here in Georgia. Just like the COVID-19, it's a problem. This is not nothing. Yeah, it's a problem and also somewhat new. Most of the lawyers that do an open record, they do a habeas petition, they don't ask for all the records. Then they try to get it later, but you don't mess that man's life up. You know, so, but you got to get the record. So that's where we at with it now. So I have placed in the peaceful protest rally uh, for Cordial George on the doorstep of the courthouse because that's where his office is at. Brad Reeves behind the Cordial George. So that's where his office is at, demanding that he turn the records over. And I'm asking nationwide to please stand with us on October the 5th or even make a phone call. Not a ransom matter, but hey, why are you holding a record? Hold them accountable, responsible for that whole circuit. Because I'm not the only one going through the same uh, illegal, unconstitutional process. Because okay. they, they process an individual in that town illegally. Most of the stuff that you guys see on my social media site is the truth. All you have to do to come to court and see if it's true or not. But that town, that circuit definitely needs the help. So that's the reason why I'm on the radio station. And Mr. Gann, I appreciate you and I thank you for giving me this opportunity. And Miss Patricia, I say again, my condolences and my understanding of the COVID-19 goes to you and your family as well. All right. Okay. Well, well, you know, here's here's the problem. You know, you know these things these things are happening every day, and they're happening to to our young brothers and sisters every day. But because they don't report it, they just you know they just go through it. You know, they just you know whatever the courts say, they just uh, they just they don't fight it. They don't appeal it. You know, that's why they've been able to get away with a lot of these things, you know. Most of the people that are incarcerated today, black people, you know, they shouldn't even, if they were, if they were white, they wouldn't even be incarcerated, uh, you know. So that's what we're dealing with right now. Uh, my sister, I want to come back to you. Is there anything you want to say or anything that's going on with you right now today? Uh, hello, Natasha. Are you there? Okay, she's not there. She's not on the line. All right, my brother. So go ahead. I said go ahead. I was trying to get her on the line, but I see she's not on the line. So yes, I go definitely want to hear a story. But yes. The nature behind it, Mr. Gangbuck, the true nature is that that substance, after PVP substance, is not illegal in Georgia. So now the point behind that is that district attorney that's in that town, there are other individuals that have been victimized behind that. And I I say again, 
substance is not illegal, so what was the reason for you guys to place a guy in prison? And when you know the substance wasn't, you know, wasn't no violation. So the true nature behind this, most like again, I say the stuff that you guys see on the social media site, all this stem from the being inside of the lawsuit that Southern Center for Human Rights filed against Cordia. And once they filed that lawsuit in 2014, that's the year I got locked up. And when they filed that lawsuit, immediately I told them my story of how I got arrested illegal, not knowing that substance is not illegal in Georgia. For years and years and years and years that I went through, they too had my case in their hand. And the county knew I was probably way of putting snitching uh, for, for Southern Center for Human Rights, gathering all the information behind the jail walls and giving it to them. But at the same time, I'm being tortured, they are being held. Um, I can go on all day. So I ended up filing a federal lawsuit myself against the, you know, just the jail and, and the judges and the DA. And I fought that case for two years. You know, within those two years, I came home after they denied it on parole. But federal judge did not deny without prejudice. So if anyone that's on this radio station that understands can get cases, that my case number is, is, is available online, and as you continue to read that case, that's from the beginning of my life, from the age of 19 all the way to the age of 40. And I placed wow. as much as I could. I placed as much as I could inside of that to the federal judge. But at the meantime, the federal judge, you know, he denied a lot of things because of the prison camp where I was there in Bidoff. <laughs> He's from Bidoff, so the federal judge in Bidoff. That's where my case is. I well, take that well, back all I mean, how much, how much time did you serve? Good I ended up, up catching a 20-year sentence. On the recidivist, it was 32. On the plea bargain, it was 20. So that's how they bargain deals on on on, on cases. Or the max is 32. They give me the deal on 20. We talking about we talking about we talking about a drug charge. A drug non-violent charge. So huh? 32. Yes, sir. Non-violent. A drug. Can't hear you. We can't hear you, bro. You you faded off. We can't hear you. Oh, you hear me? I'm scared. Okay, we're going to hear you now. Well, right, right. What you were saying. Okay, uh, yes, it was a non-violent charge. Um, oh, wow. Uh, yes. So it was a 32-sentence on the recidivist that they came to me with, which I denied it, and we had a recidivist hearing. So at that recidivist hearing, the chief judge that did my nephew that same way, which is Gregory Odom, as well as nine other inmates that I have the paperwork to show the consistent pattern of how they unconstitutional process us in Cordial Circuit. So with that said and done, um, from the 32-year sentence on the recidivist, we go into the recidivist hearing, that when I find out the chief judge removed a paid attorney from my court case, not knowing that he did this on a Sunday, not giving me no chance or opportunity to even rebut or even say, hey, man, you can't do that. No chance to say anything. So at the recidivist hearing, uh, they did a 404B hearing. So the DA understand is like he got caught doping going once before. He got caught doping going again. So we're going to send him to prison. That's not how that works. So the judge seen the argument 
denied my request and moved forward at trial. But allowing those other folk conviction in, but not knowing two of them is illegal. So this process is, is this, this circuit, man. This, and, and 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 this chief judge, he don't resign. So this is the issue with that. Once a judge resigns, there are two ways how you attack that. But the point of Southern Center for Human Rights, when they attack them, the public defender's office, I was going to trial at the same time against the same people that they suing and I'm gathering information for to get them out of the circuit. So I'm going to try against the DA and with the public defender that they sued. <laughs> I'm like, man, I'll never get a fair trial. Because <laughs> yeah. so, somebody remove somebody or change me venue, none of that happened. So a week before trial, uh, my counsel, I lost my father. Then 35 days later, I lost my grandfather. Then three weeks later, I'm in front of a judge taking a guilty plea not knowing that this stuff is not illegal in Georgia. I would have never took no plea if I would have knew this stuff wasn't illegal. But the judges and the DAs used my court case to get up in careers. So 30, I got this in black and white. The judge sent it to me. After 30 days of my plea, he resigned, and the prosecutor team moved up as a judge right now. So this happened within four years. But 30 days after I get, took my plea, they moved up, everybody all cool and dandy. Thinking that why I was did, just gonna come why, home. Why did you? Why did you take a plea? Why did you take a plea? And and then the plea was for the plea was for twenty years or more. Twenty and more. The reason why the plea was accepted is because of advice of counsel, not knowing that he was really taking advantage and trying to move up in careers and taking all the money out the the circuit. But we thinking you the super lawyer, but you not a super lawyer. You the superman of selling us out to the white man. And you sit fat back at your career around good while we here suffering trying to get a plea back that you represent us on, which is Adrian Patrick. And I repeat his name again, Adrian Patrick, out of Cordial, Georgia, got an office in Chanelville. Mm. Now, this guy here is so, is so unprofessional, but not knowing thinking that he's the man for the job, but he wasn't. He lined me up in a line with a bunch of other individuals called a, a, a line assembly line. Line them up, then you plea them out. Right? Mm-hmm. That, too, is illegal. That, too, you can't take a one of individual and put them in a line with a bunch of ordinary people. He's going to do just like the ordinary people do. But that beyond the point, advice of counsel is the reason why the plea was accepted and he took advantage of my mental state at the same time. But I also have all this recorded on a disc 120 days after I took my plea and I told him, I'm going to give the plea back. I don't want it. If I would have knew what you were doing, I didn't have no clue what you were doing. You took advantage of me. Right? So now, in the midst of taking the plea, I go straight to Coastal. I get to Coastal that when I start, you know, start doing my little thing and start coming home, man. But at the same time, that circuit, the district attorney knew that stuff wasn't legal. They they knew it. They they knew it and they had it in hand, but I ran through uh, my uh, eight lawyers by that time. Uh, I ran through about eight lawyers at that time. But at my recidivist hearing, that when the judge allowed the folks selling this in, which that was illegal, and he tell my lawyer, he said, look, I took the other lawyer off the case, so my lawyer like, what? When is that? 
So he's like, look, I don't really did it. You got a problem with it? So Mr. Pastor, this in black and white. Mr. Pastor's like, no, nah, I ain't got no problem with it. I'm going to represent the man regardless. I'm like, no, nah, I want two lawyers. I paid $1,500. I want two lawyers. And that one I had to be tased out of the courtroom. So, I mean, that's one, two, three, five times I've been tased inside the courtroom. Uh, two years and a half in the county jail begging for a bond. All because okay, of the lawsuit. Well, okay, your case is, 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 is just like a whole lot of cases out here. And because of the lack of us knowing the law, you know, a lot of things happen to us. And, you know, public defenders and all that, you know, they're pleading cases out and not even uh, giving the people a chance, uh, uh, you know, to win their cases. So what would you have to say to the young boys that's out here today, that's out here in the streets, that's out here doing what they're doing? Uh, you know, what would you say to them? Uh, what I will say to them, to the young kids today, as they listen, on robbery, 10 years. you going to do 10 years. I say armed robbery, carry 10 years. So you're going to do 10 years in prison if you get convicted for an armed robbery charge. Now, if you get caught with two armed robbery, that life without. So I want you guys to pay attention to what I just said. So if you make your mind up trying to do a home robbery, get ready to do 10 years. So that's my advice to the youngest that's out here pulling those illegal charges and things in that nature because you do not understand the charges that you're up against. And the one that is, you know, good luck. Well, I mean, I mean, you, you just did, what, what, 30 years or 20 years? For for a dope cart, for a dope charge, a nonviolent crime. I mean, so I mean, it, 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 the the it, for the money that you make, it don't make any sense for the time that you can get. You know, and uh, you know, and I know we got to do something to live. I know I understand that because I've been out there. You know, I you know I sold drugs. I was involved in prostitution and and all kind of uh and all kind of different crimes out there you know to make money but in the long run you know you better off you better off you know getting your job you better off selling some merchandise you better off creating your own business creating your own job if you if you put as much effort into creating your own job as you did you know, selling those drugs or uh, 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 participating in that robbing crew, you know, you could, you could, you could, you could be successful. You could be successful the same way. I mean, legal money might be slow money, but it's good money. But it's good money. So, what would you have to say to the young boy that's out there, and and they they think that this is cool to be a gangster. They think it's cool to be, you know, carrying pistols and and, uh, you know, selling drugs and doing all this, what would you have to say to them after your experience? Uh, well, Mr. Gant, my experience was very awful, so I, I know their experience is going to be two times worse, right? So, I mean, that falls the one that's not affiliated, but the one that's not affiliated, you guys 
you you know your your experience to be two times worse. But I do encourage most of all the guys that um, that does have influence. You know, pull the kids to the side, man, and show them a better way. Together we can do it, but show them a better way because that is a better way. And like Mr. Gantt say, you know, that legal money is the the best way to go. It's not worth it the time that you will get if you get caught. So. Um, I encourage the kids. I, I encourage the kids, man. They, you know, get back on the right track. And all the old, all the older guys inside in the neighborhood, man. Continue to do what you're doing. Big A, I love what you're doing. They need many more like that. Uh, Commissioner Ross Reed out of Cordell, Georgia. They need many more like you. Um, Mr. Mayor Reed out of Vidalsa, Georgia. I know you're on the line. There's, you know, so there's plenty more other individuals that that's out there. Miss Bishop. That in the vision, that staying open-minded and reaching out to the youth. So the minute we reach through, the minute we get in contact with, the better off we are to guide them the right way. So that's my advice to them. And 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 you, you hit the nail dead on the head right there. You know, you know, America is in love with the gangster. You know, and and you know, there's a lot of things that come along with that, with the with the money, with the the females, with with the with the the prestige of what you're doing, but that's all just an illusion, you know. In the end, in the end, what you're doing is you're literally selling poison to your own people. You're literally, you know, they can put all the glamour they want to put on it, and I sold more dope than any of them out there. So, you know, I know what I'm talking about. You know, you know. You think that you're doing something that that's helping you, but that money is like quicksilver. Made a whole lot of money, but if I look back, where did, where is that money at? What 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 where did that money go? It, it, you know, it's it's time for us to take that yoke off of us as a nation of people. It's time that we take that yoke off of our people. Okay, so when I came out of the prison system, the first thing I did, the first thing I did, you know, you know. Was was established a nonprofit at what we call Iron Sharp and Iron, and we got out here and we started working with those that was coming out of the prison system, creating transitional housing for them. And where I actually started teaching a class in the probation system uh, here in Atlanta, they had you know daily reporting where they where the probationers had to report every day or they had to report on certain days, you know according to their parole or according to their probation uh, program. And I started teaching a class in, in, the, in the probation system, bro, uh, and I called the class the fourth day. I called the class the fourth day, meaning like like Jesus Christ, you know, you know, arose on the third day, you know, the fourth day, new life begins, right? And let me tell you something, that class, was so powerful. That class was so successful that 60% of those that went through that class and actually, you know, did what they had to do in that class, they didn't repeat back in the system. Okay. So, 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 so God has a plan for each and every individual. Even, even that, even, even by going to jail, you know, you, you learn more about yourself in, 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 in the first three weeks in that than you do than, than you ever knew about yourself. And, uh, you know, if you had something to say to the young brothers out there today that's in the prison system right now, what would you say to my brothers 
uh, you know, because first of all, if you're going to sell dope or if you're going to be part of a robbing crew or if you're going to be a part of a distortion or you're going to be doing all these kind of things, you need to learn the law. You need to learn the law behind that. You need to learn what the charges are. You need to learn how to, how to get out of those things, you know. So what would you say to our young brothers? Again, Mr. Gann, I, I say to them, as you stated, knowing what you're getting into before you get into it. All right. All right. You need to know the law. Go ahead. Right. You definitely need to know what you're getting into. And if the things that you do is not based upon righteousness, then you can guarantee that God is not going to bless it. I'm not sure who's going to bless it because it's not righteous. So anytime you guys get a chance to do anything that's righteous and humble on a free basis, on a free will, please do it, man. It's time to form, well, my campaign and I, we are formulating a support system as, you know, here in Georgia. Uh, there's okay. other individuals that I have, I did not get enough time to go into dealt with before pronouncing their name over the radio station. Okay. But I will say this, we are formulating a support system from courthouse to the courthouse. And we are already getting in position for the open record request because they're going to be plenty more foul. And Georgia's not, you know, equipped for it because these small rural towns, they always hide things in the record so that you can't get it, receive it, or destroy it. And what the Court of Appeals are telling us now is what the Court of Appeals are telling us. I got three cases that understand this same dynamic. When you don't have a record or file for the clerks, defendants saying, hey, man, y'all did me wrong. The Court of Appeals stated clearly that if they can't see it or read it or, or hear it, then a decision can't be made. Mm-hmm. A decision and can't be made because it's not in the record. And if you had to do over again, uh, would you take the plea or would you go to trial? Oh, I go to trial from now on. Go to trial. Go to trial. But in Georgia, <laughs> you know, you know, well, go explain, to trial. Explain, explain that to the listeners, the difference between taking a plea and going to trial. Well, taking a plea to going to trial, uh, taking a plea is like this. You got three rights that you uh, And this is where the balking rights come in at. Rights come in at. And in that colloquy, the judge have to say 12 things. Some counties somewhat different, but I have seen a lot of plea forms being in prison fighting a plea conviction. And there are different plea forms for different counties, like Augusta got a different plea form from Cordell, right? So with that said and done, you're waiving three rights. You got the right to trial. You have the right to confront your witness. And see, that's what Mr. Gregory Odom is at right now, that petition that's floating around and that you guys have on your social media site, which is my nephew. So as you read on documents, that's uh, Court of Appeals, the brief that he filed to the Court of Appeals, which the DA Brad Riggs being court of Georgia have seven days to respond to. And we're going to be on the front door protesting, demanding to put the lawyer back on the stand. So this is what's going on with Gregory Odom. Gregory Odom have a situation is whereas Cordell, Georgia, when you try to withdraw your plea, it's the process that they have down there. You go in front of the judge with a public defender, you stand there, he goes through all the motion, you satisfied with your counsel, is you, is you drunk, high, whatever the case may be, and you take the plea. 
Now, when you start, when you withdraw the plea deed, two things that the, that the, that the state will always say, and they breathe, you were satisfied and you ain't had nothing to say, so why are you crying now? That's mm. basically what they're saying. Mm. So mm. now you withdraw, you still withdraw the plea within 30 days. You get back to them, boom, you go to court. Now, when you withdraw that plea and you give those rights up, then, you know, they, they say that, you know, you don't waive them. But when you withdraw the plea, Cardio Georgia won't let the, the plea counsel get on stand. That's what's going on with Gregory Odom. Mm. Now, this, now I'm, we didn't know this lawyer had his case until last week. He's he, he's from Florida. So this how this works. When you take a plea with a plea counsel and you withdraw it and you want to appeal, Atlanta Public Defender Standing Office have to give you appeal counsel. Or they sell your contract, they sell your your your, your case to another. Not even say sell, but they give your case to another law law firm as a conflicts attorney. So Cordia didn't have no damn conflicts attorney. Excuse my language. Cordia did not have a uh, public defender adequate system for us. So what they did in Gregory Odom's case is Gregory Odom gave the plea back. Had to file a motion for the time appeal because the lawyer did not file appeal. Right, so they granted it because the lawyer was negligent and so forth and so on. So they granted it. So he had the hearing against the same chief judge that run the whole town in that courtroom. He run the whole courtroom. Chief Judge John C. Pridgen. He go tell the judge, "Look, where the lawyer at? Who did me wrong? I wasn't getting on the stand to testify to his wrongdoing. No, he's not getting on the stand." So my nephew like, "No, nah, that's wrong." Denied. Get him out of the courtroom. And that's what that's where he at right now. That's where he at right now. It was happening in 2015. He just not doing appeal. And see, this where the problem he, come he, in. That he, 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 he serving time right now. He in prison right now. Mm. He, he also to my he got a ten year sentence for a weed charge. He doing ten years straight on a weed charge yeah. on a probation revocation. <laughs> Bush stop. And now, and now, and now, you know, now they just giving weed is just they just giving out tickets for weed. It's it's kind of being decriminalized across the nation, but you know, the 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 manifesting just here in Cordell, you have to put the lawyer on the stand. I have the right to confront my witness or confront anybody that did harm to me. So why you guys didn't put the lawyer on the stand? He's not the only one. I got four more other cases where this lawyer never got on the stand. You took my life, but I can't go back and tell. You can't get back on the stand and testify to your right or wrongdoing. That's the reason why I subpoena you to get on the stand. But Cordia don't do that. That, too, is illegal and unconstitutional. And so that's what Gregory Oldham. And here it I is. Have in, I have to look into that. I have to look into that. Uh, to to see the laws and the statutes behind that, there may be some there may be some laws that are that are you know giving them the right you know that are protecting them. So I have to look into that. Okay. Right, right, but, right. Uh, but but now but now looking back looking back on all the things that that happened with you, the incarceration, you know. Uh, you know, so basically, from nineteen years old, wow, I mean, you you missed out on all of that life, and uh, and those are the, those are some of the best years, the best years of your life, 
And, and you know, that's what they're trying to do to black America. They're, they're locking up our young men, and guess what? While you're, in, while you're incarcerated, you can't reproduce. You can't have children. Exactly. So, so, so this whole system, this whole system of mass incarceration, you know, and they're getting free labor out you, you know, and a lot of these prisons, you know, they're making, you know, materials for other cups, for other corporations and things of that right. sort. So, we, so what we're looking at, we're looking at just another form of slavery. What are your thoughts on that? on the overall program of mass incarceration. But in order to rehabilitate, you got to know how to do it. You got to get the right training, the right proper books and understanding. Because most of the kids that are going in the age of 19, you know, 18 on up, on, on 18 on up, going into the system with violent charges, it can be annoying violent. I don't see it at all. To the fact that, and I'm going through the mental health process. Like Mr. Anthony Hill, I went to that trial from the beginning to the end. I don't even know it, but I'm mental health myself, right? So in order to re- rehabilitate, you got to know how to rehabilitate. So these guys coming out of prison like myself, on parole, so I'm not normal according to, to them. And that's what I signed a contract to comply with mental health. So they don't have, a like in DeKalb County, they only have one parole officer that can deal with parolees that mental health. Mm. That that is it. You can't. Well, you got no. You can't do that. So the Cal County don't have that. So if the Cal County is supposed to have it, I think the whole state of Georgia is supposed to have it. So we come out of prison with mental health conditions one, two, three, or four, or five. Right, mm. all of us one or two. But in the midst of that, you come out and you expect to live accordingly, right? But the medication that they place you on is 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 giving you a false positive for marijuana, like in my situation. I didn't know this. So mm-hmm. immediately they took me in front of the supervisor, which is my parole officer. He 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 just immediately took me in front of the supervisor because of the false positive marijuana test. So I'm telling him like man I just got out. I I don't, I don't do drugs. Well, Mr. Brown, I'm going to tell you like this. Uh, uh, if you come in here next week and you dirty, you're going to prison. What? Oh, man. That freaked me out. But not knowing. But Sister Susan, Sister Susan, she the one told me, check the medication. <laughs> and I checked it, and that's what it was. So I printed out, drafted me agreements up, uh, filed it, and um, I couldn't take no more. I, I attempted suicide. So I had to be placed inside of a mental institution in home seven months, retaliation from my standpoint. Mm-hmm. And I remained in that facility um, at least seven or eight days. In the midst of that, um, my fiance uh, that rode through the whole process of being incarcerated, uh, she had a aneurysm bust in her head and a stroke at the same time. So she had to be mm-hmm. rushed to Emory uh, ER room. Well, I'm in a crazy house where in a mental institute and she was diagnosed with the broken heart syndrome. And I think everyone knows what that means. You take one away, the other go along with you. So I get out of the institution. I go to Emory, stay with her about another week. And they end up calling and apologizing like, Mr. Brown, you're right. We're sorry. Not, you know, the damage done. Mm-hmm. 
So uh, that's how that went with the parole issue. So as of right now, uh, even after that, I followed, had to file another grievance where the parole officer told me to stay home on a Sunday. This is my time to go to church and get my spiritual realm in line. But he never shows up, so I wrote him up. I wrote him up, knowing my mental state and things in that nature. So I went to Atlanta. The people that paroled me out, they call a citizen report, a citizen grievance. When you walk in the parole office, right, it's called a citizen grievance. So I filed that against the parole, the Cal County Supervision Office, which is in the Cal County. So a week later, they responded back during the week. They found the parole officer at fault violating some uh, parole policy rule. With other words, saying he did not supposed to tell Mr. Brown when he coming to your house. That's the only that's that's the only thing he got in trouble for. The rest of my complaint, they denied it based on the fact that the grievance has already been already been resolved, which that wasn't true as well. So I filed it. Everything going to that point, but DeKalb County do not have a. Um, do not have a, a system for parolees that are coming out on parole that mental health. They're just throwing you on the street. And the ones that are not in compliance with mental health, you know, the parole officer realize that you ain't been down there, you're not taking your medication, et cetera, then you go back to prison. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You go back to prison. So that's, that's the main issue with the parole. Now, also with the pick points, like they did my pick points. I went in on a parole viol- I went in on a probation violation. Had three years. They snagged that. So when I get to Coastal, which is a program camp at that time, thank God for that. Um, they froze all my points up. I think I had like five of them. Them five would have put me home that year, but they froze them. So most of the guys that come back into the system are repeat offender with 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 new charges. Your points gonna get froze regardless. If it's knowing violent, you're going to get your point froze regardless. They're not honoring the point system. The point system is your your your, your work history, things in that nature. So every point you get, that's a month taking off your, your, your sentence for knowing violent. So now they're freezing them up. They're before the COVID-19. So in order for you to unfreeze them, well, you have to set your parole uh, profile up. And most of the guys that's in, you know, that's in prison have to set your a parole profiler, and, and, and that's a process in itself, but you have to get your family member to do a little smaller footwork, and you don't have to pay, you know, forty-five, $5,000 for a parole hearing. You do it to get you an attorney, but set your parole profiler like I did, and I submitted to the parole people when my time came up for parole, which I, I didn't believe in no parole anyway, because I've been railroaded all the while, so I never had no faith in them, but I got it. Here I am, and still got the restraint around my neck on parole with an illegal sentence, and the district attorney refused, refusing to turn over the record so I can get this injustice correct. And it's because and it's because of our lack of knowing the law that they're able to get away with a lot of these things. But the truth of the matter is, is that those who we entrust to carry out the law are literally breaking the law, are literally breaking the law. And now a lot of people don't realize that when that when a sitting president, when a sitting president declared war on drugs, that put us under the War Powers Act. 
okay? And that changed everything. And we've been under that act for like the last 30, 40 years now, uh, you know, under this drug war, under this drug war thing. And people are, are, are their rights are being violated, that they're actually being arrested and being locked up. And, you know, if, you know, a police has the, you know, a police has the, is authorized to use deadly force if if he's in a high crime, high drug area. That's a result. That's a re, that's a result of the of the drug war, of the drug war politics, of the drug war laws. Okay, and what we have to do, we have to overturn these laws because the majority of we we got the three strikes you out. We got we got the maximum sentences. We got all of these things that have been enacted, been put in place. And who is it affecting the most? Black right. America. I'll let you comment on that. Absolutely right, Mr. Gant. And they're targeting the blacks on the genocide process more than anything. And mm-hmm. I like the movement. I, I see it on a daily basis. Miss Brianna, the outcome of that case. I will, you know, I will, I wouldn't, I, I, I'm not going to go any further on that, but I will say this to the mass of people that is, listen, the same way that happened with Trayvon, mm-hmm. the decision that came down from up top, it was an unfit ruling, but that's the law through the United States, right? So in order for them just want to get prosecuted, so... From my from my understanding is that one affected the other, so that's why them two didn't get caught up. From my understanding, getting caught up because that first officer action, they just follow suit. Can they be held accountable for that? The grand jury didn't see it that way. You did. That's how I'm looking at it. But could they be held accountable? Of course. Same way them boys in Waycross. I'm riding with them as well. I'm gonna be down there in two weeks. You know, so that process there, and even with that district attorney, that female district attorney that's in Brunswick, Mr. Stephen Reber, <laughs> he beat her. He caught a, a little small sticky note inside of an open record request in her office. She turned the records over, and that's when he discovered she had a, a small sticky note telling the DA, I want all, her office, I want an all-white jury. And that's how that man came home. You know, so, 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 of course, I'm going to stand firm with that family down there. And across throughout Georgia, I'm going to stand with these family members out here. And that, and that alliance that we're putting together right now, according to, you know, from courthouse to courthouse, we're going to be doing that. And with no fear, with no, with no fear. But the point, Georgia have a, 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 a dynamic, but I, I say again, that open record request, man, that <laughs> That, that's, that's just a lot going on with that, man. But targeting most of the black people here today, and we have to stay woke and stay educated. Mm-hmm. Well, back in uh, back in uh, 2007, you know, I shocked the I shocked I shocked the nation because I came out with a you know from the Southern Christian Leadership come from the SCLC. I came out with a barcode. And they, they were like, barcode what? What you barcode? I said, we, we barcode the jail. And everybody was like, yeah, 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 that's right. Let's barcode the jail. I said, no, 
No, I'm saying we gonna bark out jail, meaning you gonna stop going to jail. I mean, right. if we stop going to jail, they whole system collapse. Exactly. If, 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 if we empty out the prisons right now, if, of all the black people that's in the prison system right now, we break the back of the prison system. And they asked me, they said, well, what do you think Dr. King would be doing? I said, right now, I believe Dr. King would be trying to empty out these jails mm-hmm. because it would break the economic system that they have set up. They privatized the jail. They opened up all these new jails. Everybody got into the business of incarceration mm-hmm. because, of the, because of the amount of money that's involved in incarceration. And it's high time we as black America that we take that joke off our necks. It's time for us to stop going to jail. Bruh, it's time for us to stop, stop you know, doing things that will put us in jail. You know, if, if, if I don't care how many they were talking about, how they dropping off crates of weapons and with the ammunition up in Chicago. And I, and I told him, I said, I don't care how many weapons they drop off up there. If we decide not to use the weapons, if we decide not to shoot each other, if we decide not to not to engage in violence, not to use those weapons unless our life depended on it, then, then they can drop all the weapons off they want. It's not going to affect us any. They say, well, they're dropping off our drugs in our neighborhood. If we decide not to sell the drugs, if we decide not to use the drugs, I don't care how many drugs they drop off in our neighborhood, it's not going to affect us. So it's high time for us to take that yoke off of us. It's high time for us to start doing that which is right. You know, it, it, you know, it's time out for all of this, you know, I want to be a gangster, I want to do this, I want to do that. How, I mean... Just like you said, you want to be a gangster and put all that effort into being a gangster. You can put that same effort into being a tax, being being a, a being being a lawyer, being a doctor, or being or being a plumber, or being a carpenter, or being a, a automobile mechanic, or being a tax assessor. You could you can put that same energy into it and make money legally. And you won't have nothing to worry about. It's time we take that thug mentality off our people. And I'll kick it back to you, bro. And you're absolutely right, Mr. Gant. Um, you're absolutely right. Um, I think there's one other topic that I do want to discuss on. Is most, I think I have to talk to Mr. Flux about it. But he's the one leading the uh, Parole Reform Act here in Atlanta. Uh, What I wanted to do was, uh, my campaign wanted to do was to get with some of the, you know, if not all, but some of the parolees and probationers here in Georgia, you know, and, uh, you know, take a stance on that note as well because you are absolutely right. Dells, on my habeas, on my court of appeal, uh, response. That was a grandfather case that they blocked me with. Now we know that you can't add new things into the record once you get to the court of appeal level. So whatever you got in the record, that what you got to send them, and that what you work with. You can't add nothing new into the record. So what the court of appeal did in a situation like mine, where the PVP substance was never mentioned for almost four years. I never knew anything about it. I've been locked up that long not knowing, um, you know, about the substance. I was fighting the roadblock. So 
Yeah, that's what I was fighting the roadblock. Why you stopped me? I wasn't concerned about the substance because I, I wasn't, that wasn't my job. I was trying to get the lawyer to look into it. But what the, what the court of appeal said in a situation like in mine, they said that uh, Mr. Brown trying to introduce bootleg and introduce new evidence into the record, flower versus state. All right, we understand that one. But the DA did the same thing. <laughs> They did the same thing, and they told the coach appeal, hey, man, just give us a chance. Give us one more chance to hang him, and we'll do that in so many words. And the coach appeal said, all right, I'm going to give y'all a chance to do it. Mr. Brown, fire your haters. That's the only way you're going to get through that door. Now, I was mad. Now, don't get it twisted. Now, I was mad. But they used a grandfather case, a 1935 case, and I read that case. And they're saying, they saying also Hartwick versus State. And they're saying that if you don't chance the indictment before they get to the close appeal, oh, you dead. Mm. You got to find you another way to come up here. <laughs> That's what the close appeal is saying. You got to find you another way. And they hit me with that grandfather case, and I definitely want to challenge it. If I can find the right lawyer to do it, I definitely want to challenge it because I – mean, well, basically, basically, basically – they lock you up for a controlled substance that wasn't a controlled substance. So basically, all that time you did, they're going to have to pay you for every day for all of that time that you did. They're going to have to pay you for every day you did behind those walls. And, and Brad Reeves, the district attorney in that circuit, know that. Not only him, Denise Ficini, she was a, she was the head DA of my whole case before he got it. She wanted to be a judge. He took her seat. The judge that did me and my nephew and everybody else wrong, he he home retired, somebody drinking coffee. While they mm-hmm. still doing his dirty work. And Governor Kemp just sent back and, and he 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 just sent back like he you know, he just sent back and, and you know, putting these folks into play, knowing they keep continue to do the same thing. So he 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 he, he is accountable too, man. So uh Mr. Gannon, I, I heard the dean. I just want to thank you for allowing me to come on. If you guys would like to go to my Facebook page or Instagram, look up on the Charles Brown, and you guys will see the latest on my court case. If you guys can come out October the 5th at 9 o'clock, Cordial your George, and stand with me and my family, it will be appreciative. Thank yeah, you. Is there, any other, is there any other contact information you want to give out so they can get in contact with you other than just Facebook? Uh, yes, email Charles. Avery Brown at gmail.com or go to the Instagram or Facebook upon the Charles Brown itself. Okay. All right. This is the whole truth, nothing but the truth radio broadcast. And uh, I thank my brother because he kind of took the audience to school today about, about the statutes and the laws surrounding those uh, incarceration and, and in the court of appeals. All right, this is the whole truth, nothing but the truth radio broadcast. We coming to you live from Atlanta, Georgia, with nothing but the whole truth. Peace and blessing. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.